Welcome to Maker Mom, a podcast where I explore the stories of Maker Moms and the life they lead. Each week, I will bring you the behind the scenes story of a new Maker Mom. I'm Katie Freeman, a furniture designer and content creator running FreemanFurnishings.com and your host of the Maker Mom podcast. You can find Maker Moms hanging out in the Facebook community at Maker Moms and on the web at MakerMomPodcast.com. If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello and welcome to episode 104 of the Maker Mom podcast. This week's guest is Nicole Hoopert of Nicole Hoopert Designs. We talk quite a bit about her journey into making, what making really means for her, and uh, talking about just kind of some struggles around, you know, growing your making business while also maintaining the job job and family life and all of that good stuff. Um, so it's really an episode filled with quite a few good nuggets. Um, I, I had quite a few good takeaways just right out of the gate. And so I think you will as well. But before we hop into the episode, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to all of the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Jeremy Spies, Sammy of Go Sammy Lee, Lauren Rasp File Designs, Sven Dwarf Sized Workshop, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Tool Mom Bonnie, toolmomstore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou Made by Mary Lou, Amy Bison Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly Reclaim Living Store, Brandy Studio Obey, Kathy One Girl in Her Tools, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued ongoing support every month, helping me bring you two episodes a week. All right, with no further ado, let's hop on into the episode with Nicole of Nicole Hoopert Designs. <laughs> well, Nicole, I always have guests introduce themselves, so I'm going to let you go ahead and do that when you're ready. Cool. Uh, so I'm Nicole Hoopert. I run uh, Nicole Hoopert Designs when I have time. <laughs> um, I juggle a lot of things uh, in my life. And so it's kind of this side project slash trying to get it to be a business thing. Um, and so uh, with that, I make stuff out of wood. Um, I don't really have any sort of specific things. Um, you know, I like experimenting and, you know, building all types of different stuff. So I've done cutting boards, um, coasters, uh, wall art, shelves, you name it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of open everything. All right. Well, before we kind of dive into that, Let's uh, let's step back a bit and talk about your childhood. Where'd you grow up and what kind of things were you interested in as a kid? Uh, so I had an interesting childhood because my parents were uh, divorced. So I kind of spent, you know, 50% of my time uh, in Minnesota and 50% of my time in Wisconsin. So kind of like a 
I don't know what, what they call that, but I know there's a term for it where you're, you're kind of in between states. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so anyways, uh, growing up, I was a super creative kid. Um, I think most of that stemmed from um, my dad's side of the family because my aunts and my cousins were super into scrapbooking and um, like painting and uh, yard decorations and stuff like that. And so that always interested me. Um, and I really like, as I, as I grew up, really that um, creativity was focused on like drawing and art. So I took like every art class possible um, that I could, that I had the choice to take. Uh, I was actually, I think it was in middle school, um, like seventh grade or something like that. I was invited to go to um, Mankato University and do, and like uh, check out their art program there. And we did like, we made stuff with clay. Um, we got to paint stuff uh, and it was a really cool experience. Um, so yeah, very artistic. I think my favorite thing was uh, learning how to draw Pokemon for a while. That was uh, that was a big thing of mine. <laughs> Um, yeah, my my uh, oldest would totally love to chat with you then, because <laughs> though he's he's getting more into Minecraft now, but he was definitely very heavily into uh, Pokemon and getting into drawing. So we have like, I know we have at least two. We might have three, like how to draw Pokemon uh, books. <laughs> yeah, I actually stole one from my friend for a while, borrowed it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and I would just like for I would start out by like just tracing the mm -hmm. different Pokemon and then figure out how to draw it freehand eventually she wanted it back so I gave <laughs> it back to her but <laughs> yeah I find it funny how like cyclical that stuff is right I mean it was like Pokemon was big when we were growing up and then like it's back again as being something it's that's kind of big so yeah it definitely it's interesting. Um, yeah, my daughter has all the like little Pokemon figurines. <laughs> mm -hmm. and I still have all of my Pokemon cards. So I'm waiting for the right time to like introduce her to those and like play with her, you mm -hmm. know, play the card game with her. <laughs> well, you know, props to you for actually like knowing how to do that. Because even though it was like popular when I was a kid, like I never, I never got into it. And so, like, we have attempted to play the card game a few different times with my son, and I'm just like, this is too confusing. <laughs> to stop. I just yeah. had to stop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would for sure have to look up the rules, because I don't think I even played it right when I was a kid. We never used, you know, the, the packs came with those little yep. stones or whatever. Yeah. Never used those. Had no clue what to do with those. They were just kind of <laughs> decorations. <laughs> Yeah, there's a whole strategy involved with those. Like, that's what lost me in the instructions, like reading through the instructions of those big, you get the big packs with like multiple decks of cards, you know, and they come with like mm -hmm. the instructions for the game and like, uh, what are they called? Uh, the word that's coming to mind is arena, but like, what's the thing, this area like, oh, yeah. where you do your battling? Uh, I can't think of. I can't I think of the name. Anyways, either. it's it's like a big fold out 
thing, right? That you're supposed to yep. like do your cards on and everything. So we had it all like laid out and like trying to work through the the instructions with my son. And then like my daughter's like popping in, like just taking things off the board and like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> like It's like, stop. This thing is so confusing as it is. But I do know there's like a whole strategy involving those little like token things. But yeah, yeah. It, at our house, they've become just like, we have like a jar full of those things. Like <laughs> we don't, we just toss them in the jar. We don't really do anything with them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so like if I had asked you as a kid what you wanted to be when you grow up would you have answered like artist or painter or something like that probably yeah it was between some form of art or um being a veterinarian so <laughs> I get um, that yeah I I mean in the end I'm pretty close to the art uh career, I guess, as a user experience designer. Um, mm -hmm. Design is in the name. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, there's like color theory in there and mm -hmm. um, I don't know, some, some artistic kind of features, I suppose. Yeah. So, okay. So post high school, it uh, sounds like you went to college. Uh, yeah. Uh, what was your degree that you went into? Uh, well, I started as um, a graphic design major, of course, and I just didn't, it, the program wasn't that exciting to me. Like I thought it would be, you know, the path for me. That's what I wanted to do. Um, but it was just really boring and I didn't see it panning out the way that I had expected. So I think after my first semester, um, I switched to, uh, it's a mouthful, web and digital media development, <laughs> <laughs> um, which was really a ton of stuff. So it had photography in it. It had web design, web development, um, game design, uh, and then a little bit of user experience, which mm. I didn't really get into until my senior year when I was working on like my last semester, my big project. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, it was, I didn't know it was a thing, but it was like the perfect thing for me because it touches on creativity. It touches on like the analytical side that I mm -hmm. enjoy, like kind of analyzing things and um, looking at data, kind of being a little bit of a data nerd. Um, but then it also involves people. So kind of, you know, that as a veterinarian, mm -hmm. you know, you're taking care of animals and, you know, working with people and stuff like that. And so that, that people part, I think is really important to me as well. So yeah, it just turned out to work out that way. And I really love what I do. Awesome. You're going to have to explain to me a little bit, though, about uh, user experience. Like, what is that for websites specifically for, like, what are you working with, I guess, when you're talking user experience? Yeah, so another way to describe it, and some people uh, claim this title, is a product designer. So it could be something digital, like uh, a mobile app. It could be mm -hmm. a website. Um, 
I've mostly worked on just websites or software. Um, but it could also be, you know, like product, product design could be, um, you know, designing a pen for mm-hmm. <laughs> just grabbing something out there, but yeah. it could be designing a lamp. And, you know, so that kind of lends itself into making and, mm-hmm. and woodworking. And so it's kind of like, I don't know, the things that I do are like, they just make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so like a, for user experience design, it's a lot of talking to people and understanding like, you know, what's missing from what they're trying to accomplish. So mm-hmm. if it's a website, you know, what are they trying to do on that website? Are they trying to buy something? What sucks about that experience that they're having trying to buy something from the website? And then how can I make that better? So then it's a little bit of redesigning that, um, that experience, um, doing a lot of like testing with mm-hmm. other people to make sure that the thing that I designed works and makes sense um, and makes it better. Uh, and then kind of passing that on to developers to build it and launch it. Very cool. Is that a, like, can that be a degree all in a, of itself? Like it is just yeah. that so, specifically. Yep. It's becoming, I don't want to say popular, but there are more um, colleges that are making user experience design as a specific um, degree or a specific mm-hmm. like course track. Um, so my, my school didn't have that. I don't think it does now either, mm-hmm. but I know there are other schools where they have specific like either user experience or um, kind of like behavioral, uh, they call it human factors or mm-hmm. um, human computer interaction is another one that's been around for a while, but yeah, there are specific like courses you can take or, um, you know, programs at colleges. There are also like tons of online resources to Mm -hmm. get into it as well. I just think that's super interesting because I guess I've seen, like I've seen the output from, let's say like a product design, um, you know, degrees, Uh, where they're getting into like coming up with brand new furniture design we'll say like a brand new chair design right and I see the output from that Uh, first of all I wish I had known that that type of degree existed when I was in college Um, (laughs) but I've seen the output of that and a lot of times like when I look at it I'll say like I'll think to myself like visually that design is really awesome. Like there's something that's just very beautiful or elegant about it. But my mind always goes to the spot of like, yeah, but would it be comfortable to sit in? Like looking at it visually, it looks really awesome. So I always, I guess in the back of my head, as you're talking about that, I'm like, man, I wonder how much of that like user interface type of learning goes into a degree that's specifically about like product development because I feel like that there may be a miss there right like you can design something that looks really amazing but to your point if it's not functioning for the user the way that you would want it to then it's a miss like you're not going to gain any traction with that design 
Yep, exactly. And I think, you know, it's, it's really interesting because there's like that visual aspect that I don't really go into as much. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of do, it's called wireframes, which is basically like, you know, you're, you're sketching out what you want it to mm-hmm. somewhat look like. And then I usually pass that on to a visual designer and they put on all the flair and everything. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. I mean, that's that's the important part of um, doing the testing and, and talking to people, not only the people that are using it, but also talking to like, you know, the other people that I work with who are asking me to fix this thing to make sure that, you know, it's also taking into account what the company is trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's like, we want to make a hundred sales of, of this one item. Uh, so it's making sure that those sales are happening, but also in a way that is simple and easy for a person to accomplish mm-hmm. and looks nice as well. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a lot. There's a mm-hmm. lot to think about and a lot to, um, to take in. And that's where like the analysis part comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, I mean, I guess I think of my own like woodwork wise, or generally I start design wise, like, and when I'm making it with function in mind, like a bar stool, how do I make sure that it's functioning correctly? I I literally, as I'm carving it, sit on it and go, is this even remotely comfortable? (laughs) Like if it's not comfortable, I keep going, right? (laughs) Um, Yep. But, and then I also have that drive to make it like visually push some sort of limit um and sometimes it and sometimes the design fails and sometimes it's good but um I think I just yeah I think a lot of times if you're especially if you've got kind of that artistic part uh down like sometimes I know personally I'll get the function and then I'll throw in the art and the way I throw in the art ends up throwing off the function. Like I don't always circle back around to the functionality of it. Um, So yeah, that's a really kind of interesting perspective. Um, And now I feel like I'm going to get an analysis uh, paralysis in the shop, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The nice part about doing it digitally is it's easy to change stuff. versus you know if you're building something physically like you know you take a one of your big stumps or whatever and then you get a crack in it as you're carving it or something Mm -hmm. you know it's done you got to start all over again yeah yeah exactly um so we know how you got into your professional career but where did you start getting into woodworking uh very interesting. So I was like six months pregnant, I think, and getting into that like nesting phase of pregnancy where I just like wanted everything to be all homey and cozy and perfect for when the baby comes. And for some reason that meant I had to make something. (laughs) And I didn't know what that thing was, but I knew I wanted to make it. And at the time I was super into like Property Brothers and mm-hmm. all these like HGTV shows. And so I was like, oh yeah, I could totally, you know, build something out of wood and like make something cool. And so I did. Um, 
my husband had a couple of tools already. I went out and bought some plywood and I don't know, like little brackets or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I made, I ended up making an infinity table, which (laughs) that's pretty like, that's like pretty like pushing the limits for your first, like first project out of the gate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just, just wait for the next project. Um, (laughs) So it was, I made an infinity table because I was like, I want to make, you know, an end table type of a thing. And my husband's like, you know, what would make it really cool is if you make one of these. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Because I don't know, why not? <laughs> so for those of you listening, if you don't know, an infinity table is like, you have one mirror. And then um, you have like some way to separate that from another mirror on top of it. But that second mirror is see-through, um, sort of. Uh, I don't know if I'm doing this justice, but basically, I feel what like I did today was I you need to post. Mirror. Today you need to post a picture of an infinity table. Just I will. I will put it on my, on my Instagram for sure. Um, so yeah, so I I bought a square piece of mirror, and then I bought a piece of glass, and I had to get that cut which thankfully I lived right next to like a glass company. (laughs) And so I just brought it there and they cut it for me. Um, And then I bought this like partially reflective, partially see-through film stuff. I think it was like for automotive or Mm -hmm. I don't know, but put that on the piece of glass and then you have an infinity mirror. And then to make it even more cool, I put LED a strip of LED lights in between so you get the lights reflecting forever mm-hmm. through the mirror. Um, but yeah, and it's also a bookshelf. So it's got one little shelf there underneath the mirror part. Because why um, not add in more comp- complexity to this first build? <laughs> yes. And also remembering that I'm like six months yeah. pregnant while I'm working on this. So I actually didn't finish it until I want to say probably like, five or six months after my daughter was born. So it was like a year long project basically um, for this simple, well, somewhat simple (laughs) little, little table thingy. Um, But yeah, that was my introduction. It, uh, it still lives on today. It's actually in my daughter's room as her like bookshelf slash um, nightlight table thing. Mm -hmm. And Uh, I didn't build anything again until, let's see, three years after that, I think. Um, And that was a dining table. So. (laughs) Because again, why not? Like, like, let's just go for, you know, something that's challenging. (laughs) Yep. Um, Yeah. It was something that we needed. And I was like, all right, well, go big or go home, I guess. (laughs) Um, I guess like maybe first, first question is what, what was it between the, the, you know, side table to dining room table, taking that break in between those two things? Uh, it was mostly, uh, time. 
and space. So in between that time, we moved to an apartment from the first house that we owned. And I just, we didn't have the space to get the, you know, more tools Mm -hmm. and all of that kind of stuff to actually build things. And then also, um, at some point in there, I ended up getting a new job and that Mm -hmm. job required basically a three hour plus round trip each day. So I just had no, no time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Did and I had, feel... you know, a little, little kid. So, yeah. you know, yeah. family was really important at that time. <laughs> and no time there either when they're that age. Right. right. Um, yep. Did that feel draining at all? I mean, I, I just imagine um, that three hour commute time, um, little kid. Yeah. <laughs> Some things that made it better was um, I found podcasts. Um, before I was like, you know, my husband listened to podcasts and I was like, oh, you're so lame. Like <laughs> talk radio. It's so boring. <laughs> but then I don't know. There was something about it. Like I just found really entertaining ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, audiobooks and podcasts were huge for me. But I also found because it was such a long drive, I had to leave really early in the morning and I would get home pretty late. So I would see the sunrise and the sunset. Um, and so I took that opportunity to, you know, still kind of flex my creative muscles by taking photos on my Mm. drive. (laughs) So I would just pull over and find a cool spot and take like a sunrise picture. And then on my way home, I'd pull off the freeway and, you know, get a cool view of the sunset. Um, So that helped a lot and Mm kind of made it, you know, something to look forward to. Uh, And then of course, getting home, then it was time to spend with the kid and, you know, she's just, so entertaining (laughs) you know between between one and two and kids are like Mm -hmm. getting their you know getting their balance going and stuff like that so it was a lot of fun just um you know having that family time Mm -hmm. so you eventually tackle the dining room table were you still at the apartment at that point or were you in another house uh, we moved. So we moved closer to um, the Twin Cities, which is where I was working. Uh, and so that's where we are now. So we live in a, a house out in the country. We've got a big garage and a ton of space. And so um, less time on the drive, mm-hmm. especially because I was able to start working remote a couple of days a week. Um, so that saved a ton. Um, but then also, again, having that space to be able to get bigger tools and make bigger stuff like dining tables. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But because of that move, so we had, I had this dining table that my parents gave me and when they had it, it had moved, I don't know how many times with them. And then it moved with me throughout college and into our new home, like, I don't know how many times, probably like 15 or more times that table has moved. So taken apart, put back Mm -hmm. together, you know, getting banged around and everything. And by this point, 
it was just, it was done. It was ready to be (laughs) tossed and replaced. Um, It was so wobbly, like just unstable and it was a pain. So that was my new project, building a dining table. Um, And I guess, so around that time is when the Modern Maker podcast started Mm -hmm. and Ben's advice to people jumping into woodworking was to start with something big because you're going to learn really quick and I was like all right well what's better than a dining table (laughs) so that's what I did um and it's just uh I don't know it's like a seven by four table I think and it's just made out of two by sixes and four by fours Mm -hmm. um pretty basic but got the job done uh that one took me I want to say like eight or nine months, something like that, just because life. Yep. That's usually how my projects go is like I get started and then life takes over and then I get back to it and then life takes over and, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally, I totally understand that if it's, if I'm doing a project for home, like I kind of have to intentionally put myself on like a short timetable so for example Mm -hmm. like I want to make Christmas presents for like the kiddos right and it's the end of October normal people would have like started in October probably nope it's probably going to be the end of November and I'm going to scramble but I know I'll get it done because it's like I have that hard stop it has to be ready by Christmas right but yeah well, at least for, you know, making it yourself, you don't have to worry about, all right, this is going to take a month to ship or something like that, you know, so you can kind of extend that deadline a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is true, though, though it might start running into issues on if the, if uh, Lowe's and Menards and Home Depot have the supplies available uh, that's to make true, this yeah. stuff. But, but yeah, I've had to do that because otherwise it's, if it's for my house, like, I don't know, I've been talking and sketching up plans for a kitchen island for three years and it still hasn't, like, <laughs> uh, that one hasn't even, like, made it from sketch pad into at least, like, getting started on it, you know, because of life, like, other yeah. things get in the way and it's not that I value it any less, it's just if somebody's going to be paying me for making something, then that right. thing is going to get get made before something from my own home gets made. Um, yep. I've got a few of those. Uh, they're just sitting in my sketchbook. And then every once in a while, I'll revisit them. And I'm like, what was I thinking? This isn't going to work. <laughs> and then I do a new sketch. And then, you know, then it sits for mm-hmm. a while. And <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I also understand that as well. Um makers do you know lauren of rasp and file designs well if you don't you should definitely go check out her work you can find her on instagram rasp file designs lauren is making all kinds of cool furniture and home decor pieces out of live edge uh, hardwoods and metal bases Um, that's not all she does though so you should really go check her out and see what she's up to especially as holiday seasons are coming up and I know all of us makers really enjoy making our own Christmas presents but perhaps you're running out of time so you want to maybe go check out Lauren 
she's in the DC area so especially those who are close uh, location wise to her so go ahead go check her out at Rasphile Designs on Instagram and let's get back to the episode hey makers Today's episode is brought to you by Tool Mom and Company, or some of you know her as Tool Mom Bonnie. Uh, She has all kinds of tool-related merchandise of gifts and clothing for all ages and genders available at toolmomstore.com. I have two of the coffee mugs. One says, Go Girl, and it has a circular saw with flames coming off the back, which is super sweet. And then the other one is the definition of a tool chick, which just makes you feel kind of badass when you're drinking out of it. So if you are in the market, especially as we're getting close to Christmas, for any tool-related merchandise, be that gifts or clothing, make sure you head on over to toolmomstore.com. And extra bonus, you can receive 20% off at checkout if you use the coupon code MAKERMOM. All right, let's jump back into the episode. So I guess what is it about woodworking that you feel like really connects with that kind of creative side? Yeah, I think it's, you know, being a homeowner, a lot of it is like, I want to make my own stuff to fit my style and my space Mm -hmm. because, you know, as I've, you know, we've, we've owned two homes. We've lived in a couple of apartments. I've never loved the stuff that we've had as like, you know, like our entertainment centers and and stuff like that. Like it's mostly been, you know, we found it on Craigslist or Mm -hmm. like bought it at Goodwill because, you know, we're trying to be cheap, but also like have a place to put our stuff. And now it's like, we're in our home. We're kind of settled. I want it to be mine. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a big part of it is just making making stuff that um, fits my style, but also I made it myself. And whether or not that saves money doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. as I've learned um, getting into this, uh, it can be a lot more expensive than just going to the store and buying something. But at the same time, you know that you used quality products to build Mm -hmm. it um you know instead of crappy particle board or mdf or whatever Mm -hmm. it's gonna last longer right um you know those are those are the big parts of it another thing is you know as a as a designer like in my profession i create these things um for companies and they're not always used like i i don't always see it come to life Mm -hmm. and I don't know. It's always something that's kind of bothered me. And so being able to kind of be in control of that thing that I'm making um, while also making it with my own hands, I think is another big important part of it to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why woodworking, like (laughs) it could be making stuff out of clay or something, you know, but I think just that furniture piece of, you know, having stuff to fill my home. Mm-hmm. I I totally I totally get that. I mean, this year was supposed to be more about, and 
I think it would have been if COVID had not happened and just jacked up the schedule. Um, (laughs) But this year was supposed to be about like not making, actually intentionally not really making a lot of product uh, for sale. Not that I wouldn't, but it was not going to be my focus. Um, My focus was going to be, I want to make things that I find beautiful and fills my space and makes me feel like this is like our space versus like, like you said, like, you know, going somewhere else and just buying it. And it's like, when we bought it, like we appreciated that design at that time, but by having it, we've learned things and, and I don't know. I also looked at it as a challenge to push myself into making things that maybe I normally wouldn't but yet I've always wanted to get into. So for example, it hasn't happened this year, but I still very much intend to make a sofa. Like that is something I'm going to do. That's awesome. And it's going to be our sofa. Like that is what's going to happen. Um, even though my wife is like really pushing like, can we just go buy something so we can have something right now? <laughs> I'm like, no, yep. <laughs> this is something that's on the top of my list. Um, yep. But yeah, entertainment center, all of that stuff. It's like, a, it gives me a chance to flex my own design muscles and like really hone in like what is my aesthetic? Like what's the thing I'm trying to get out there in the world? B, it stretches me as far as making capabilities. And then C, it's like so much less stressful. <laughs> like much less stressful than saying I'm going to make this stuff and then hope that the market is like in the right spot to buy this thing that I made sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't and that's super stressful whereas like I am the market I will accept whatever (laughs) I make um totally you know so it's just a whole different like mindset um and it also means then like the business is pivoting right I still want to be a furniture designer this is the method I'm choosing to try to take right now Uh, but it becomes much more about how can I make an income business-wise out of content versus out of like product sales? It's just a completely Mm. different way of going about it and pivots the focus for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I still kind of struggle with as far as like, what do I want this business to be? So right now it's focusing on product. When Mm -hmm. I started, it was, here's my journey into Mm -hmm. learning how to woodwork and hoping to, you know, make that money on the content. And I don't know, I, I like the content creation. I also like making stuff for other people and, Mm -hmm. you know, making those custom things that fit into their home and make them happy. So I don't know, I'm trying to find that balance, but a big part of it again is time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you, I mean, in your introduction, you, you even said like, this is something that you, I guess, have a dream for or a hope for, for turning it into like a business is the dream or hope to keep it, to make it a business, but keep it a side hustle or to make it a full-time thing eventually. I don't know. I try not to look too far into the future just (laughs) because. There are so many things going on in life that it's, Mm -hmm. it's hard. And, you know, then you like, 
the universe throws a curveball like COVID and, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it just throws things off. But I think for now, what I'm looking at is um, I'm starting an online store. So I've had my website for a while. It's just been kind of sitting out there. Mm -hmm. I haven't really been doing much with it. And um, because of COVID, I had a lot more time on my hands um, because unfortunately, you know, job things happen mm-hmm. or happened. Um, and so then I was like, okay, I'm going to make this store happen. And this, this was kind of my goal for this year anyway, was mm-hmm. to get an online store, to get products on my website and sell them across the country. And so that's what I'm working on now. I'm hoping to get it done before the big like holiday rush because I do have mm-hmm. an inventory. It's just a matter of launching. So I'm hoping within the next like week, it'll be, hope- I mean, even within the next few days would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think it's looking to see how that goes and then kind of making that next step decision after. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also trying to be a little bit more conservative with all of this, I guess, just because again, the, the time factor kind of juggling mm-hmm. a full-time job, a family, and then finding time to, you know, work on my projects and right. also balance like my husband's hobbies and what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, you know, and I, I'm glad you kind of even brought up about like your husband's hobbies and stuff like that, right? Because it's not, it's like, or just even like the interest of your daughter and stuff that like she wants to get into and do. It's, yep. it's like, this is the thing that brings me joy or helps keep me going. But I also need to help bring that opportunity to the ones I love in my family and it can't be all about my stuff like exactly I wish it was yeah (laughs) because I really like I love it and Mm -hmm. it calms my brain after you know work and and all of that but yeah but it's not fair to everyone else if I just take all the time to myself (laughs) this is true you know, I, w- I was thinking the other day, I think that's sometimes partially why, not to say she wouldn't have an interest anyways, but partially why my my daughter uh, expresses interest in spending time with me out in the shop is more about like, she's craving that family time. But I think even at mm-hmm. like four, she's recognizing like, okay, in order for this to happen, right, to get this family time, like that might mean I'm hanging out with mom in the shop, um, you know, yeah, yep. and giving her a way to like, okay, how can we make this be something we do together? And I've started looking at that a lot this year, especially since we've been spending so much more time together. Um, and it's become more of a reality uh, that, even though I thoroughly enjoy when I get to do these things alone, (laughs) um, that that's not always the case. It's not always going to happen, but I still need to make like for my own mental health, well-being. I need to be able to make. And so that might mean, all right, what can I get done 
that in, either includes the kids or it's okay for the kids to be around while I'm doing it, right? Yeah. Um, like yeah, maybe it's applying example. finish or whatever. Like they can be around for that. That's not a big thing. Yep. Uh, yeah, a great example that we just experienced was, um, so I just bought a bunch of, well, not a bunch. I bought a set of uh, photography, like studio lights. Mm-hmm. Um to get good product photos for my website. And so I was just doing that last night. I had it all set up. And, um, you know, I always ask my daughter like, hey, do you wanna help me do this? Just to, you know, mm-hmm. get her interested in it, whatever, have that family time like you're talking about. And so she's helping me stage the photos. And then she's like, oh, I have um, this stuffed owl. Can we put it in the picture? And so she puts her little little guy in there. I take the picture with it. She'll take a picture mm-hmm. and then I move it out. And then I take, you know, like the the, the real product pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, totally. And, you know, she, she's, you know, getting that interest in photography and learning how to take, um, you know, frame the photo well, which mm-hmm. is crazy for like a five-year-old, like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty awesome that she's just picking it up so fast and really she's interested in it Mm -hmm. um but then afterwards I cleaned up all of my stuff and then she brought in like a huge pile of all her (laughs) stuffed animals and had this little fun photo shoot and Mm -hmm. I'm like yeah why not you know Mm -hmm. let her get excited about it um so yeah even little moments like that it's it's nice and another thing we do is uh we watch maker videos together she is super into Evan and Caitlin. <laughs> I can see um, that. And all her resin projects. Yeah, yeah. So like, all the time she's asking me if I can do a resin project. And I'm like, yeah, someday. I mean, it's tough because it's cold here now. And, you know, to have all of the, the perfect environment to have a resin mm-hmm. project is, is a little difficult right now. But Well, when you're um, ready to take that leap, reach out to me. I have a few, like kidder more kid friendly beginner level uh resin projects that I can oh perfect hook you up with yeah because my my yeah my kids get in like the resin stuff too um I haven't let my daughter do it yet she's still four um and it's just like no that's just a disaster waiting to happen um but <laughs> yeah uh I have my my son's done a few different you know just fun little projects uh with me that was intentionally like we did them so he could do some resin and uh that's awesome and have fun with it so yeah when you're ready to take the leap I'll uh uh reach out and I'll hook you up with some ideas and and what supplies to get that are kid-friendly um sweet (laughs) and not as yeah she's really into um ocean pours thanks Mm. to uh tamar Mm -hmm. (laughs) from three by three custom she like she is obsessed with tamar's ocean pour guitar video Uh we watch it probably once a week or once every other week (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah she she really wants me to do an ocean pour so i bought the the like inks or whatever mm-hmm. the mix all stuff yeah I've got everything there it's just a matter of you know getting it all set up which uh, is so time consuming with resin it is especially if it's something you haven't done before 
Right. That's what I always tell people when they like reach out and ask questions. And especially like if they're doing resin for the very first time on a client ordered product, it's like, I mean, I've been there, I've done it. That's what got me started. Right. I was like, I'm just going to do it. And so it's like, here's all the million things where I have gone wrong (laughs) doing resin, um, you know, and kind of the pitfalls to avoid and stuff but I will say like I've appreciated that like the maker community has gotten into resin because when I first started messing around with it I would say the only people who were doing resin granted I wasn't on social media so I can't speak to that you know wholeheartedly but I started messing around with resin I don't know eight years ago And it was only like, you could only buy the countertop resin from like, like a Home Depot or a Lowe's, like that's all you could buy. And, and I was trying to do deep pour stuff with it then. Um, Oh, wow. So, so many hundreds of dollars (laughs) wasted there. (laughs) I just don't even want to like, yeah. Um, But it was like, so it was like floors or it was countertops. That's all people were doing with it. And so that meant that that's the only type of resin you could buy. That type of resin is much more harmful to your health, right? And Mm -hmm. and people, and it wasn't widely known about that stuff. So I've really liked how the maker community has embraced and like kind of pushing the limits of resin because then it also pushes the limits of the companies producing the resin to create like, more environmentally friendly, more health friendly, like resins that you can do more stuff with. So I think I've been excited to see like how that grows. Um, I still have my own personal like questionings of like a hundred years down the line. What does this resin look like, you know, type thing? Like, does it hold up? Does it, because we know wood does, right? We have furniture that goes back centuries that's still intact but we don't know what uh this liquid plastic stuff ends up looking like 100 years (laughs) down the line right yeah the crazy thing about resin is it's so accessible now like Mm -hmm. you can go to um michael's Mm -hmm. and get three different types of resin they've got molds you know they have everything you need now Mm -hmm. you can get um you know, that, that art epoxy that mm-hmm. uh, Jess Crow created with Total Boat, like it's relatively cheap for what, it, you know, for what you get. And mm-hmm. it's so much more versatile. Um, so yeah, that's, it's, it's crazy how the maker community has kind of uh, changed, like you're saying, the way that companies are approaching resin and, and mm-hmm. what you can do with it. Yeah. Um... I guess that is the first thing that comes to mind when I think of examples of like market reaching the, the need, like company Mm -hmm. brands being able to meet the, the market need. Um, I guess I just have a harder time seeing that elsewhere, like, you know, in the world, I know it exists, but a lot of times I feel like brands create something and then they create the market for it versus, versus like no there's demand for this whatever and the brands had to step up and create that thing yep 
So your daughter's getting into uh, at least the idea of resin. Uh, what about like other um, uh, like woodworking aspects? Um, any interest there? She's very interested in identifying wood species. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because of the colors. So like um, I think that came from I was making a cutting board. And so mm -hmm. I'm just explaining to her like the white color is maple and the dark brown one is walnut and mm -hmm. this reddish one, that one's cherry. And so now everything is, oh, is that walnut over there? Oh, no, that's pine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she's also uh, like the size of wood. So, oh, is that a two by six, mommy? No, that's a one by four or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, she also enjoys sanding. So that's great for me. Yes. Free um, sanding labor you know, is always appreciated. <laughs> that's every maker's kind of yeah. least favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it is very therapeutic so it kind of depends on the project it does it does um I will say though I thought that sanding flat surfaces was like my least favorite thing until I started making curved surfaces and now sanding <laughs> curved surfaces is my least favorite thing uh, <laughs> yeah how do you how do you attack that what do you do you do hand sanding mostly or I do not now other like um uh Cecilia of um the shop wood designs like she yeah. hand sands all of her stuff and I admire that I <laughs> would shoot myself probably just because I don't have that level of patience so um one benefit I would say of COVID that has come is like finding new methods for sanding curved surfaces because I was woodworking from home versus my shop just so I could get woodworking in with the kids home. Um, and so mm -hmm. like I'm looking around at home, okay, what tools do I have? I don't have my like king arthur sanding system with flex shaft that you know i've figured out how to do all my sanding with so what can i do so i usually i have started using the drill and i've found a lot of different uh you know just simple attachments for being able to sand different uh curvatures with it and um you know, especially if you have the drill where you can uh, put the, the trigger lock on it so you can turn it on, leave it on, and then just move it around. Um, it's not, it's more efficient, but it is not the most ergonomic friendly um, method for sanding. Like it plays sure. hell, hell on my forearms if I have a lot to do. Like the side table that I just completed, that was a lot of sanding to do. Um, with a drill <laughs> so uh it took I took a week break of just like no power tools because otherwise yeah. my I wouldn't be able to move my arm anymore so I was like all right um I mean hand sanding takes a toll too though yeah you know yeah and it's that whole time factor I'm really impatient 
I really truly am. <laughs> like I have to fight that all the way through woodworking. Um, I'm actually surprised that I do complete things because half the time I get a quarter of the way through and I'm like, okay, bored now. Let's go on to the next idea. Like I've proved this idea enough in my head that I could stop. Right. But no, um, yeah, patience is not a virtue of mine. It's when I still continue to work on. Yeah, I have many of those too. Um, but I think again, a lot of it comes to like, because I have to start and stop a lot, um, you know, I get, I get stopped on one project and then either I'm like watching a making video mm -hmm. or I'm just like looking around my house and getting inspiration from something. And it's like, oh, I could totally, you know, make that thing or that's a great idea. And it, you know, just, I get that spark of inspiration yep. and it's like, okay, on to the next thing. Um, yep. <laughs> I've got probably four, yeah, four unfinished projects sitting in my shop right now. <laughs> but I have learned, like, I'm, I'm holding myself back a little bit more thanks to Trello. Um, I just throw in all of my ideas in there and I'll do, if I have time, I'll, I'll do a little sketch on my iPad or something and put it, mm -hmm. put it in there. Um, and so that's kind of like my idea board and that kind of holds me back and keeps me focused on like, okay, I have to get this thing done and then I can focus on that really cool thing and put all of my, my brain power into that. So mm -hmm. I'm still working on it, but it's getting better. <laughs> I, I like that idea a lot. I mean, that's what my sketchbook kind of becomes. Like if it's something that's really just gnawing at the back of my brain of like, no, this is a really cool idea or whatever. I'll, you know, get it down in the sketchbook and then <clears throat> that's kind of where stuff stays. Um, but I, I just know probably the thing that I like, I can look forward and say like, oh, this is something that I probably will end up regretting is like, there's going to be some project that I probably will be like, I've wanted to do that for 10 years or whatever, you know, and it's like, you get to the point where either you physically just can't do that work anymore, or something more disastrous happens. And it's like, that's probably going to be that thing of like, you know, post death, I'm like, man, that thing. If only I had time <laughs> to make that thing. Um, Cause I feel like I'm constantly coming up with something that gets put on that dream board kind of, I guess that's what I think of when you say like putting those sketches up on yeah. Trello. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of the biggest problem uh, for me is I'll go to either my local wood guy or I'll find something on like craigslist or something mm -hmm. just like barn boards or nice slabs and i'm like oh mm -hmm. i gotta take a look at that and they'll have a bunch of other stuff and it's just i don't know i just get so inspired looking at these different pieces of wood because everything mm -hmm. each one is different each one has its own characteristics like a nice mm -hmm. um crack or you know a nice grain pattern or something and it's like oh that would make a great coffee table or right that would be a really awesome charcuterie board or something like that. Yeah. And so then it's like, Oh, I have to get that and start working on it immediately. <laughs> I know that's, I've been like, I think my, my, I, I say this in jest, but I think partially seriousness, my wife's like, you can't go to any lumber yards 
for like five years. Yeah. Because I'm waiting like, for that. Because I come home with like a van full of like, I kid you not, I have come home with the from top to bottom and side to side of the back of the van packed crammed full of wood um you know and I constantly will be like but it will get used I swear it will get used um but it's kind of funny you say that because like I recently finally got my shop organized with all of the all of my lumber got it put up on racks and as I'm like getting it from just this massive pile and getting it, you know, more organized. I'm like, I forgot all about that piece, you know? And like, I had to stop myself from literally like, screw cleaning up. I'm just going to go take this and start like (laughs) working on it right now. Cause I had this idea, you know, but it was one of those like, yeah, I I totally understand that. It's a kid in a candy store, right? Totally. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Nicole, we're actually at the end of our time together it went uh went quicker than I expected um so I want to give you a chance though to let everybody know how they can follow along with you and find that picture of the infinity table um <laughs> and and uh the launching of your of your shop so how can people find you uh so I'm primarily active on Instagram and that would be at Nicole Hooper Design uh same thing on facebook i have one video out on youtube i hope to make more soon um i've got tons and tons of footage you know like we talked about Mm -hmm. that content creation dream um so hopefully there will be more i want to get into that more um and then my website is nicolehoopertdesign.com and uh keep an eye on instagram for the store announcement that's where I'll be posting uh, when it's live. Awesome. Thanks so much for chatting with me today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Super stoked to be on. Yeah. All right. So again, that was Nicole of Nicole Hooper Designs. I'll include all the links on how you can follow along with her in the show notes. Uh, Just look in the description on whatever app you're listening to your podcast on and you should be able to see linkable uh, things like for Instagram and Facebook and such. So make sure you check that out so you can follow along with Nicole. All right. If you are really enjoying the podcast, I would love it if you would make sure that whatever app you're listening to the podcast on, you hit that subscribe button. And if you could go over to iTunes and leave a five-star review that is extra appreciated, all of that helps the algorithms of those apps know that you're enjoying the podcast and others might as well. Then if you really want to push it, you can go ahead and share, especially on Instagram, about your favorite episode of the podcast, just make sure you tag at Maker Mom Podcast when you do that post in your feed or in your stories, um, just so I can see it. Um, I always appreciate seeing those things, and then I can also share as well, so that gets some visibility to you also. And if you want to take it up just a little bit more, head on over to Patreon, check out joining the tribe over there. That is patreon.com 
forward slash maker mom podcast. Any tier level gets you access to any additional content that gets shared, such as being able to participate in live podcast interviews. I hope to ramp, continue to ramp that up as we end out this year and get uh, planning for the start of the year 2021. There is a one, three, and five dollar tier level that has different merch that comes with it based on whichever tier level you choose. And then there is a $30 tier level, which makes you an official sponsor of the podcast. If this is something that you are potentially interested in, know that those spots are limited. In fact, I only have one more spot remaining. So uh, jump on that sooner rather than later if this is something you are considering. But it will get you an ad spot in every episode for the month. So is a minimum of eight and generally more like nine or ten episodes a month. All right, when I am not interviewing guests for podcasts or editing for podcasts, you can find me over uh, designing, making furniture and home decor for both homes at freemanfurnishings.com or just at Freeman Furnishings across all the social media platforms such as Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube. Freeman Furnishings will get you there on all of those. All right, so it is the end of the week. It is Halloween weekend, um, and I know that's going to mean something different for each and every one of you. Some of you will be trick-or-treating. Some of you will not be trick-or-treating. Some of you will be going to parties. Some of you will not be going to parties. Just be sure that you are safe and staying healthy, whatever option you pick, and please have fun because God knows we all need a little fun right now in our lives with what is going on in the world. Now, normally I say I hope that you get out in your garage and get to make something, but one of my fabulous patrons sent me a news article this week that I read and something really kind of sank in. So especially right now when most of us parents have kids home way more than we usually do, it can be extremely tough to be able to get out into the garage and make but I don't want you to feel like your value is diminished if you're not physically getting to make something so I just want to say that whether you are making something out in your garage or you are making safe space across the dining room table with your family you're you are valued what you are providing to your family to yourself is valuable. So I'm going to leave you with that. All right. Have a great Halloween weekend, everybody. And I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Maker Mom podcast. You can connect with the Maker Mom community in the Facebook group page, Maker Moms. And remember, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, leave an awesome review and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Mm-hmm.